When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's NBA Observations, everyone. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. But also, as well, Game Source and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Truly appreciate you going ahead and checking out all those great st- things that we do. Also, as well, Joe Soro, wherever I can find him, wherever he's at, he is Obviously, Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check out what he has to say at LakersBall.com. Plus, also his company, Symblades, Symblades with a Y.com. Also, our good friends at LakerHolics.com, the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, Laker Tom at Laker Tom on Twitter, and Jamie Sweet. Those guys comprise of the Lakerholics. And go ahead and check them out today at LakerHolics.com. Our good friend, John McCallion, he's also at his own YouTube channel course the john mccallion channel and speaking of youtube go ahead and subscribe today the click on the little joe soro logo right there with the beady eyes right there on the lower right hand corner of your screen that way you'll get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest lakers fast break podcast good evening everyone it is nba observations and our continuing series of nba team profiles continues eastward and I've got a returning guest. I'm so thrilled to have him back on. It's been quite a while. I've been gauging his success from afar, and he's done really well, and I'm really happy for his success. Good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check him out today at Bullets Forever when he goes ahead and writes some good articles, and also as well with co-hosting with Jahidi White, former NBA player himself. Of course, that's at the Believe in Wizards podcast. It is Matt Moderno. And Matt, great to have you back on the show. It's been a long time, but I'm definitely great, uh, grateful that you had the time to go ahead and speak to me this evening. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, definitely been way too long. Uh, you'll have to come our way here when we uh, get some some uh, Western Conference preview stuff going here. And just uh, good to be chatting basketball again. I'd be honored to do so. I'd love to, to go ahead and, and talk shop with you about the NBA or what's trending with the Lakers. And, you know, I, I get at this show always gives some real thoughts. So we always love what what other individuals outside the box that are not specifically L.A. Lakers oriented has to say about the team as well. So that's coming up in a little bit. But obviously, first and foremost, is a team that was often called in recent years. Los Angeles Lakers East, and thank goodness, outside of one exception, a big exception, uh, that is no longer the case. It is the Washington Wizards. I want to go ahead and get into depth on your thoughts on where you guys are at now, because since the last time I talked to you, I sense a little bit of frustration the last time. I actually listened to that show a long time ago, and 
I sensed at that time some frustration on where the organization was going. You know, that 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 purgatory, as it were, yeah. where the Lakers were in at, at one time themselves as far as striving to be that eight seed in the Eastern or Western Conference, wherever it may be, and just seemed to be going nowhere up, and you can't go and do too much to go down. And I sensed it at that time, but since then, you guys have gone ahead and made some changes in the front office and made some decisions that look like you're putting a different skew on where you guys want to go ahead going forward. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, purgatory, that's sort of the right word for where they were. That's not really a direction. Uh, so at least now they probably won't be very good next year, maybe even the year after that, or, or really the year after that potentially, but at least you're trying to do something different. Hey, just yeah. being the 10 seed, you know, perpetually isn't, uh anything anybody wants to see there's no real hope for the future and okay best case scenario maybe get up to seven or eight does that really do anything for you other than maybe get one home or you know one one away playoff series essentially so it's um you know it won't be fun by year three of a rebuild if it's not going well but i think everybody's got at least a lot more hope right now that hey if you do this and you do this right there's at least uh you know a chance to kind of bring yourself out of the cellar and when you have an organization like the Lakers where you've won as many championships and you're a free agent destination and the weather's great and all that kind of stuff, you can hope to attract better guys. And, and for whatever reason, Washington has not been a particularly uh, successful free agency destination. So for them, I think they had to kind of say, all right, we're going to rebuild through the draft and just ending up, you know, with the 10th pick every year doesn't really give you much chance for, for longer term success. So this year they were eight. They moved up to seven uh, in a pretty good draft. So maybe that's equivalent with like five most years or something like that. And uh, next year, maybe not the, the deepest draft of all time, but they're poised to be pretty bad again. Maybe you get a little lottery luck and you get a top pick in this draft. And yeah. all of a sudden, are you really that much worse than you were from a team that ceiling was only, you know, 35-ish wins? So I, I think this is an opportunity for them to just hope to get a little lucky and, and try to do this thing the right way. While there not, is not a lot of talented wings yet that's developed that might be on the board for next year, a lot of good big men, yeah. a lot of quality big men. So at least Washington, who you know obviously decided to go ahead and part ways with Christoph Porzingis. Uh, he went to the Celtics, and you saw what happened there. They're trying to fortify themselves for a championship run. For, whereas for Washington right now, it's all about going ahead and and saving the assets, getting the assets, finding a different approach. And I think it's it's a finally about time. Should it come a little bit sooner, in your opinion? I think most analysts say yes, that it should have come a little bit sooner. But do you, in your heart, think it should have come sooner as well? It should have come with about two years left on Beal's previous deal uh, prior to giving him the, the gigantic uh, extension there and the no-trade clause specifically, I think, really limited what they could do and get back. You know, we talked a couple years ago, there was – a rumor deal on the table where Golden State was going to maybe send them like three first round picks for Beal. And, you know, now you basically had to give up Beal and another good young player, in my opinion, and Jordan Goodwin, you know, just for the rights to some pick swaps and some second round picks. So basically a dump, uh, whereas, you know, you could have really got something, um, you know, for him a couple of years ago. So, so definitely too late, uh, but better late than never, I think, in this situation. Also here today, good man indeed. He's the madman from Toronto. He just did get out of Toronto traffic to talk to Matt Moderno today. 
It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. Sean, I'm here with Matt Mardono from the Believe in Wizards podcast and Bullets Forever. Shh, you can't say bullets. It's kind of, yeah, yeah. It's kind of not exactly the most PC thing to say out there, but it is a, a lot of love if, for the Bullets fans out there, for, for the Bullets name and whatnot. But mm -hmm. Sean, before I go ahead and talk into more about detail about Kyle Kuzma, and the direction now that the Washington Wizards are going, as you know, hearing more about what Matt has to say. Did you have any questions for Matt today? Uh, I did. And before I begin, I just want to apologize for being tardy, gentlemen. Well, it's I not can... history 101, so we will not give you a demerit for today. <laughs> All right. It sounds good. Matt, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, so now that uh, Bradley Beal is gone, um, the task of guarding the opposing team's best defender likely falls to uh, uh, Denny, right? Uh, Denny Advia. He's coming into uh, a fourth year uh, a contract here, Matt. Like, he's another one of those guys who, like, it's heads or tails. He, his defense is really exceptional, especially, like, point of attack. Really, really special. It's just, uh, can he develop, you know, a, a a couple of offensive skills to kind of, because if he does, he he can kind of change, I think, change the actual time span between when the Wizards like want to really take a jump. I, I was wondering what you thought about his development. First of all, it's just crazy that there was ever a world where they were ever relying on Beal to be their stopper. You know, he didn't really take tough assignments for most of a game, but you would throw him on Jason Tatum to close a game where he had 60 points. It's like... <laughs> really that that's where we're at uh as it was you know Wizards fan so I, I think you're probably right Avdia gets a, a lot of opportunities this year to try to be um you know the, the key guy to stop other other wings especially he, he does struggle with quicker guards but I think everybody struggles with quicker guards and um Delon Wright you know same kind of deal it's probably the guy that that guards the the smaller quicker people for them but um it, it, then he's such a tough one because he plays hard. He's always available. Uh, he's pretty tough. It, it's it's things you want from a player. It's just like the actual basketball skill stuff hasn't come around to the point where he can really get to the kind of like backup skills that are, you know, secondary skills that he has. So can't really dribble with his left hand or drive left. Can't really shoot it. Doesn't create a lot of space. He's not an elite athlete. So what do you, how do you hurt a team offensively? And you saw situations last year where teams guarded him the way they were guarding Russell Westbrook and, and things like that. And uh, when you put, you know, an opposing team puts their center on your small forward, it, it's really a tough ask. And, and even if he shoots in the low thirties, he's never going to shoot a high enough volume from three that to really hurt a team. So I think people will always kind of know that. And, you know, if he ever shoots it well enough, okay, now he can attack a closeout. Now he can get downhill. Like, it starts to change the equation for them a little bit. If, you know, if he can show a little bit of improvement in those areas, he's been working with a dedicated uh, shooting coach. I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head right now, but somebody with like a long uh, track record of success, which makes you think, why wasn't he doing that sooner? Or why wasn't the team prioritizing that more? So it, the shooting is always going to be the swing skill for him. I think doesn't really finish particularly well around the basket. Uh, so you just you have to be able to space the floor if you're him and that's probably really uh, what determines you know what that next contract looks like for him and if he doesn't really show much improvement in that area uh, 
I'm honestly skeptical, like what that next deal looks like. It's there are probably so few wings uh, for any team that that play you know reasonably high level defense. So that might be just enough for him um, to to get the job done. But yeah, we'll see. I, I I want the best for him. So hopefully, some of the things they're working on this year really take hold. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Matt Mordano from the Believe in Wizards podcast, plus also as well, Bullets Forever. Go ahead and check out his written work at Bullets Forever. Also as well, go ahead and check out what he's doing with the Heidi White, former NBA player, what they're talking about when it concerns the Wizards, right there for you at the Believe in Wizards podcast. Matt, you're going to have uh, an interesting season ahead as far as what people are saying. I know here in Vegas, where I'm at right now, there's uh the money line is not very promising yeah, but you said and a half i think something like yeah, that. yeah exactly uh good luck on trying to get something higher rather than lower but when it comes to what you guys are planning out there's going to be two individuals make taking the bulk of the shots on the team from what i'm seeing mm-hmm. one is obviously a favorite with us kyle kuzma who probably isn't playing the defense that he did on this championship run because he was playing when he first started out uh, and I was, I saw him from the get go and actually was in the, the uh, Thomas and Macarena when he was playing his first game in summer league, saw what he became as far as an offensive uh, oriented player, uh, thought he was an El Matador on defense, worked hard when he became, uh, when the, 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 the logistics of the rotation had him coming off the bench as a key rotation player, they informed him at Vogel at that time, coach Vogel, informed him he had to go ahead and key up on defense in order to find himself a way on to go ahead and make a contribution. And he did just that in that championship run. Flash forward later to where he's on your team now. He is obviously more oriented on the offensive side, still not shooting with any great efficiency from behind the arc, which was something I was always hoping that would help would happen for him, but it never did. Rebounds very well. It's just something that I, I think he's going to be a very good success story for you guys as long as you have him. But the key words are there as long as you have them. Yeah, I mean, that's the nice thing about the deal they gave him. It decreases every year. So there's um, he's going to be more valuable in another two seasons or something like that. And uh, yeah, well, if, if he's a long-term piece, that's great. If he's not, I think he's still a guy that can do a lot of things for you off the court too. There's a lot of him working with Denny and they play one-on-ones and things like that. Um, you know, he, he's trying to take on that leadership role. And I think that's something that he's mentioned having learned from the LeBrons and the Rajon Rondos and people like that in his time in LA. So I, I think he's at least making a concerted effort to be a good teammate and things like that, that maybe you didn't really see as much from Beal publicly as you would want, or, or even Porzingis was kind of more of a, you know, lead by doing type of guy, then uh, take this guy under my wing and help him develop skills and things like that. So uh, 
Kuzma, you mentioned the defense. I actually am much higher on the defense than maybe our fan base as a whole was, just simply being in the post-game press conferences and stuff. You routinely hear the other team's best player talk about how, hey, man, Kuzma's a really tough guy to shoot over. He's got a lot of length. He moves his feet really well. They actually gave more of their tough assignments with those guards, uh, especially dynamic guards, to Kuzma than they did Denny Avdia especially when they play teams like Portland. He guarded Dame for most of the game or Anthony Simons. So the positional versatility that he offers you, I think defensively is still really, really valuable. You know, if you want to put him on one through four, he can do it at least to a respectable level. He's very switchable. And you mentioned the rebounding. I think from a defensive rebounding perspective, he ends possessions for them. And that's something the Wizards have struggled with a lot the last couple of years, I think. So, um, you know, that's... I think that's really where he can provide a lot of value. And, and maybe this year, everybody talked about Monte Morris's assist to turnover ratio for the Wizards last year, but he didn't really create a ton of like easy, clean looks for people. He's just very solid with the ball. And if, if you're somebody like Tyus Jones, can you get into the teeth of the defense more? Can you kick the ball out to Kuzma for more wide open looks? He's not taking grenades and things like that where he dribbles eight times and then has to shoot a fadeaway three over a hand. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe he gets worse looks without Beal and Porzingis. It's kind of going to be an interesting one to see, but if the efficiency goes up a lot, I think that deal becomes a total steal for them. I will say though, I'm glad to hear about Kuzma because he was always, again, one of my favorites with the Lakers. I just was hoping that since it became more offensive oriented, which is something he had always, I'm sure envisioned because he was hoping with the Lakers to become more of an offensive piece, but he never obviously couldn't with all the individuals there. He became more of an offensive focus. I was worried his defense would slip as far as a, a regression on that because he would be focusing more on the offensive end. But I'm glad to hear for in your for your sake that he still has an attention to detail on the defensive end. Yeah, he's he's at least trying, right? Like the effort yes. is there and and occasionally he's gonna get torched in certain matchups. And when you do care, you know, carry a heavy offensive load, there are gonna be some nights where you just you don't have it, but if you can guard Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis, uh, I mean, nobody really guards Giannis that well, but at least the ability to reasonably do it in one game, I think that's a huge luxury for a team. Before I go ahead and talk about what some of our best Lakers chat rooms out there, the Lakers Fast Break are talking about and asking for questions to ask you, Matt. Magic Man, have another question in the mind for Matt? Yeah, Matt. Um, you know, over uh, for the past, you know, 25 years, uh, except for, you know, a brief few there when the Wizards were winning 47, 48, um, it's been a struggle mainly because I don't think they've given a front office enough time to really show some development, but I, I've been a Hooper for over 30 years. Uh, I love what they did bringing in Michael Winger. I think that was, uh, an A plus 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 move, um, everywhere he's ever been gone the team has found success and he uh, obviously isn't solely responsible for that but he has a lot to do with it uh danny ferry's credited him for uh for his work in cleveland trying to develop a young lebron james um when sam presty was hired in okc the first guy he called was michael then he went to the clippers and helped turn them around so i think there's actually a track record here of him um, coming in and knowing what's under the hood of a franchise 
and getting that car either to run like uh, like a cheetah or either find something else that does. So I think you guys are in really good hands. What are your expectations of that hire? Just to build a modern basketball team, which the Wizards really haven't had in a couple of years. I actually think that like John Wall, Beal-centric team was a little bit ahead of its time. Not ahead of its time, but at least on the front end of the curve here a little bit. You had a dynamic point guard who could kind of collapse the defense. You had shooters around him, Beal and Porter, and to some extent, even Markeith Morris was kind of a stretch four. And you set Gortat to be like the drop big and and uh, rebound and set screens and things like that. But the last couple years, you know, there was a, a time going into the playoffs a couple years ago where the Wizards were starting Howell Neto, a six foot tall player, as their small forward. Uh, you know, when you run out Beal, Westbrook, Neto. And Troy Brown Jr., who you guys know pretty well as your power forward, yes. you're not going to win a lot of basketball games. And then last year, almost by necessity, they had to play Porzingis and Daniel Gafford together. And you're only going to have so much, you know, so much success with two drop coverage centers in your starting five. So I, I think these guys, just the whole group of them, you've got Will Dawkins coming in from OKC as well as the actual day-to-day GM. And their v- senior VP of player personnel is Travis Schlenk from Atlanta. Whatever you want to say about those Hawks teams, you know, at least there was a modern blueprint in mind. Like Trey is sort of your heliocentric lead guard with high volume and then just switchable wings and a lob catching mobile five. So I, I think we'll see something kind of in those blueprints. And And you mentioned success. None of those teams are like winning titles left and right or anything, but they all went from bad to like pretty darn good within a three-year window. So I think the expectation here is that the turnaround can be reasonably quick. And the Wizards have an owner that famously said, we will never, ever tank. Well, this might be an organic, you know, let the young guys kind of stretch their legs here. And I, I think there's an appetite for from him for them to be good again pretty quickly. So I, I think maybe you see this year be another year where they're okay kind of um, – just letting things ride. And then by the year after, I would be surprised if they don't start to make at least some moves and, and try to, you know, put a winning product on the floor sooner rather than later. Once again, it is Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. Go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your podcast. Plus also as well, he has some great articles waiting for you right now on the Washington Wizards. Go ahead and check it out today at Bullets Forever right there for you as well. Just type it in on a Google search. Comes right up for you. Bing! Right there for you or Bing. There you go. Microsoft Bing yeah. as well. But I want to go ask ask some questions from our audience. Uh, Kurt Affair starts off. Looking forward to seeing how Tyus Jones fits in the starting role. And don't think we've forgotten about Jordan Poole because we haven't. But that one's the one that we're going to save that for just a little bit later. What do you think, Matt, about Tyus Jones being a part of the starting lineup? In a vacuum, I really like Jones. I think uh, Memphis has been pretty darn good anytime John Morant's been out of the lineup and and Tyus has a lot to do. You know, he's been an elite backup, I would say, the last couple of seasons where they don't really miss a beat going from, you know, a, a first-team All-NBA caliber guard to, to Tyus says a lot about him. I, I don't know that you necessarily want him to be your long-term starter on a really good team unless he's, like, clearly, you know, your fifth best starter, but I think he's a pretty high floor guy. I think he'll help them. He'll make the right kind of passes. Um, you know, my co-host Chahadi played uh, close to a decade in the league as a center, and he was excited about Tyus just because, like, little stuff. Like, he throws a really good post-entry pass. Um, you know, just just the things that maybe we as fans kind of sleep on some of the time. So I think he'll 
he'll help them. It's just now you've got him like tries hard, effort defender, but at the end of the day, he's still six-ish feet tall. You've got Jordan Poole, who's probably six three, six four-ish, somewhere in that ballpark. Not been historically a great defender. If you start Corey Kispert, not a particularly good defender at this point. Kuzma's, like I said, I, I think better than average. Gafford is good in some matchups, not so good in others. So maybe you start Denny Avdia, but then you lose some of the floor spacing. And it just gets kind of weird what that starting five looks like. So I, I think you're giving up a lot of size in the backboard if you start him, but you also don't really have a better option. So I think you just kind of roll with it and, and hope you can lean on what he does well as opposed to, you know, maybe where he, uh, where he struggles a little bit more. So Bloodhound73 was asking just about that as far as the center position because Porzingis is now gone. Gafford, Avia, you talk about uh, all the Denny Avia, you know, all the, the names that are there. Any of those names really get you going or is it just going to be Daniel Gafford's by default, do you think, for the starting center job? Yeah, Gafford will be the day one starter. There really isn't another like true center on the roster, essentially. That's Kind of crazy to me. Also, former Laker, sort of former Laker, Jay Huff was on the team at the end of last season and was serviceable. And they opted not to bring him back because he's, he's already at Denver now on a two way. Right. He's already, what, 26, 27. So it's how much more room to grow is there. But I, I thought he would have been a nice, cheap way to try to get through the season this year. And, you know, they had Taj Gibson playing major minutes for them uh, down the stretch of last season, and he's, what, 37, 38 years old. So, you know, that's that's really kind of a tough ask for somebody like that to come back. And without him, though, it's can Mike Muscala play minutes at the five? Can Danilo Gallinari play some minutes at the five? Like, the, the pickings are pretty slim. So it'll definitely be Gafford's. Uh, he's, he's a good you know, bottom half of the league starting center, I think, on a decent deal. I think you'd be better if he was your backup big, but I, I don't think um, he'll be he'll be too bad in most matchups. It's just, um, you know, by the time you get to the bigger, batter centers in the NBA, he's going to really struggle, but so does everybody else, and they can't really guard each other anyway. So I think as far as, like, um, reasonably priced options go, you could do a lot worse than Gafford. Another question uh, from Kurt Affair. Matt, what young players' developments are you looking forward to this year? Uh, Bilal Kulabali uh, was your first-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. I actually got a chance to see a little bit of him in Henderson here when he played as part of the, with the French team, the Metropolitans. Uh, actually, the, or obviously, we know the focus was on Scoot. Uh, you know, and 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 what was going on there and all that. But uh, he did get a, I get to get a chance to check him out. I didn't see a whole lot from him then, but ever since then, he shot out like a rocket. And I was, you know, just the growth in that time span obviously helped him skyrocket into the position where he was picked by Washington, which was probably a little bit on the higher end. Some people had him right around 10th, 11th, 12th in that range that he had gone up to. But hey, you're seeing a rising star like that. You might want to well, just go ahead and grab him while you got him. So also Tristan Vucevic, who <laughs> I did see in summer league, I actually got to see him real close. Uh, I told the story before. Um, if you're not familiar with the setup at summer league, it's the Thomas and Mac and the Cox pavilion adjacent to each other. And the Washington wizards were playing the Boston Celtics in summer league. And it was halftime and there's no locker rooms for the Cox pavilion. 
they're just the adjacent ones next for the TNM. That's what you guys got. They have to do. But if you need to go use the restroom, the closest thing is the actual uh, customer's restroom. The sure. the audience, you know, it's the restroom right there next to it. So I'm washing my hands after I use the restroom, and in comes Tristan Vucevic and another Boston Celtics player. They come running in, and it's like right you because know, they want it. It's like only a ten minute halftime, and then just shoo, come in. He does his business. He comes next to me. Next thing I know, he's washing his hands and, wet, and water is just flying all over me. And I'm like, Giant hands. Over. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, dude, you're giving me a shower over here, man. <laughs> he's like, sorry, as he ran out back into the court. It's just, it's just like terrific. But I have uh, Tristan Vucevic is somebody actually we were interested in when we were doing our NBA draft coverage for the second round. What are your thoughts on these two guys and the promise they might bring? Yeah, cool. Bali's an interesting one. Interesting one. You mentioned it uh, when they played those games against the G League Ignite at the beginning of the year. He wasn't really much of a factor for them at that point. And honestly, they kind of brought him up from the under 21 team just because they wanted as many young active bodies to practice with Victor Womanyama as possible. So he was really just supposed to be, hey, here's a guy that won't get tired if we ask him to practice multiple days of a week. Uh, days a week. They were only playing one game a week, so they wanted like real practices and Obviously, it's helpful to have young guys as opposed to vets if you're going to do that. So over the course of the season, he kind of worked his way into the actual rotations, you know, eighth, seventh, eighth man kind of thing, a fringe starter by the time the end of the season rolled around. And then by the last game uh, of their French League playoffs, you know, this was a guy that was like a pick and roll ball handler, uh, you know, to close games. So I, I think the development was just really close, you know, really quick. I, I think. He's probably a guy, if people had thought of him as a 2023 prospect for most of the year, we might have looked at eight as like a, yeah, it seems like a pretty safe place to take him. I think that's sort of, well, he was 2024 in our mind. Now we've got to adjust to make him a 2023 guy. It never fully reconciled for some people, but you know, our mutual friend Raphael Barlow has talked about, you know, next year's draft, maybe this is a top five or higher guy. I saw Sam Bassini uh, said on his podcast the other day that, he expected, you know, Cool Bali to be a guy that could potentially have gone number one in next year's class. So if you can get a potential, you know, top one pick, uh, top three pick, something like that at seven the year before, you might as well just take a chance on it and go for it. And the worst case scenario, you could never have, um, you know, too many athletic six, seven, six, eight wings. So uh, I'll, I'll take it. That's something we haven't really prioritized a lot the last, I don't know, decade realistically. So uh, I'm, I love that pick. I'm a little less high on Vucevic just for a team like the Wizards. If um, it does a seven foot stretch big really do a ton for you right away? Uh, it, it just didn't really seem to mesh with what Dawkins and those guys have done the last couple of years. So that surprised me a little bit, but there's clearly something they saw there and I trust their draft track record. So, uh, and I trust you guys. So if you liked him too, that makes me feel even better. We were thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. As far as the possibility, uh, we got Maxwell Lewis, who is who I like. Well. I would I would trade you right now if we could. Well, three donuts in summer league, mm, okay. Matt. He has got a long, sure. long way to go. And finally, Rob Palinka put a contract on him that mm. is worthy of a second rounder. Whereas you've got the time to develop, it can stretch out to a four-year or be as soon as a two-year, depending on his development, which is something that we've not done in recent years, is signing our second-rounders and undrafted to those longer 
mm-hmm. possibility contracts, which help us out immensely. But Bilal, I like if he can find a jump shot, man, he could be a really good player because I, I love his athleticism. You know, that, that's something that does pop out as far as what translated after that game I saw him in, uh, you know, with Victor versus Scoot. So I'm, I'm happy for you guys to finally get some really athletic wings. Uh, I think that's something you guys have sorely needed because you guys have tried to focus in on on uh, forwards slash guards that have tried to fit something else and they haven't really panned out so far. So maybe Bilal will be, do the trick for you guys. There's been a lot of like, oh, we need shooting, so we'll draft a shooter. Oh, we yeah. need rebounding, so we'll draft a rebounder. I, I think Kulawali, like he's, I don't know, he grew up a point guard before a big growth spurt. Uh, he can handle the ball a little bit. I think the passing is better than we got to see a lot, the role he was in this year. I buy like the catch and shoot, um, you know, form and things like that. So we'll see what that actually looks like. It's just, uh, you know, can, can he actually do things like off the dribble and stuff? I, I think we're probably a couple years away from, from that sort of thing. Sean, you got anything for Matt before we go into Jordan pool talk? <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, no, not really, uh, Gerald. Uh, I, I had a similar question along the, your same lines. It, it looks as though it, um, uh, they're they're sort of following in a uh, like a Thunder uh, kind of Raptor philosophy of you know three or four guys who are six, seven, and above can handle the ball, can be a secondary playmaker if if so needed, and I think. Um, you know, looking at the development coaches in Washington, it looks as though, like Matt was saying, it may be a slow cooker here, like a crock pot, but it looks as though that's what's starting to develop. And it's, it's nice to see because the fans certainly deserve a, a really good product eventually. Yeah, we're, we're kind of long overdue, I think, from, uh, you know, it, it's you have the Gilbert Arenas teams that were good for a while there and mm-hmm. just kind of got unlucky with injuries and other shenanigans and then you had the wall team and does that team look different if uh he doesn't tear his achilles and have all the knee problems so yeah those those teams were still probably capped as like second round playoff teams maybe best case scenario if everything went right an eastern conference playoff appearance but i would have taken that as a fan i I have not seen the conference finals in my lifetime which is I don't know, wild to think about. Uh, they're one of the longest droughts of a team to not even make their conference finals uh, in, in all of professional sports. So so just think about that for, for a minute. If you guys have like a three or four year lull without a title, uh, remember <laughs> what it's like to to be a Wizards fan. Uh, it's that they won their last title 10 years before I was born. So it's just that that's sort of they won their loan title 10 years before. I and was I believe 10 years after I was born. Was it 79? Was that yeah. when they beat the Sonics? Yeah, yeah. so that was 10 years out. That tells you right there. <laughs> it's It's been a while for them. So I think um, we're willing to be kind of patient, you know, if, if at least there's a path. And and that was the thing the last couple of years. The coaching staff is exciting here. I've got David Banterpool, who's been a really good uh, player development guy. He actually played for the Wizards for a third of a season. And it's been a really well-respected uh, coach around the league. You know, Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum both said that he was huge for their development. You've got Brian Keefe, who's uh, auditioned to be a head coach in the league. And Kevin Durant said he was great for him in the couple years uh, with the Nets. So I think they've really tried to retool the staff and things like that. And we'll see how long for this world uh, Wes Unsell Jr. actually is. Uh, I think the hot the seat is going to get a little hot for him quickly with the new front office. So. Um, they better at least just show that guys are getting better and 
you know, hopefully that's the case. Uh, so they won in 78 and lost in 79. That's, yes. Is that? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. so I was so, nine then. So I was nine then. So, okay. Fair enough indeed. But Matt, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, when it comes to what you guys are going to be do up to this year and someone who may fill out a lot of fantasy brackets uh, if he gets a chance to stay there. But I think he will be with his contract and his uh, other deficiencies with other parts of his game is Jordan Poole, who people are predicting would probably be if he if he has an under 20 point per game season, I will be disappointed. Your thoughts on Jordan Poole after the traumatic year that he had with the Golden State Warriors obviously didn't start off on the right foot getting punched in the face by Draymond Green and it seemed to go downhill from there the promise that he once had signed the big contract and now it's one of those cases where you and I've seen over the years where it's a guy who signs a big contract who it just doesn't isn't able to go ahead and live up to those numbers as of yet your thoughts on getting Jordan Poole with maybe a fresh new start on the Washington Wizards this isn't one of those ones where it was like, oh, there's some tantalizing upside, so we gave him a deal. Like We saw him be productive on a playoff team, making a deep playoff run, and he looked good against the best in the league. And, you know, I, whether he can get back to being that guy consistently or he's closer to the guy we saw last year, I think even if the answer is somewhere in the middle, it's worth the shot for the Wizards. So I, I love the deal considering what they gave up, whether or not he's part of the long-term future of the team, I, I think remains to be seen. It's just, yeah. can he transition from being inefficient gunner, you know, bench player, fringe starter to, um, you know, yeah, I see, I see Kurt in the chat there about Mike Dunleavy, you know, not being, uh, you're not losing any sleep over it, but it's also a new GM that has to kind of come in and justify some of the moves that they're making too. He can't come in and say, well, I traded Jordan Poole away and I feel terrible about it. I really blew this one, but you hear his teammates and maybe some of it's lip service, but they know it's a talented guy. He helped them win a ring. And I, I think it's just worth a flyer no matter what you have to eat up bad money. You have to get to the, the contract um, ceiling floor at the beginning, you know, at the end of the year, any, or the end of the day anyway. So it's, why not take a shot on a guy that could be a 20 point per game score has shown some playmaking chops. I'd like to see, can he maybe actually increase the efficiency enough to be like a low, low 20 score, but also a playmaker for others. I just play like a tiny modicum of defense here at some point along, you know, along the way, he just, he can't be brutally terrible at all times, given the rest of the people on the wizards roster. So just be passable, take some pride and stuff like that and set the tone uh, if your teammate punched you, even if that teammate is kind of a jerk, you probably sucked as a person to some extent that nobody really came to your defense. So it's just one of those things where I, I think learn from that. If you're him, try to be a leader. And for the most part on the way out the door, you know, everybody said nice things about him. I think other than Dunleavy. So th those players don't really have to go out of the way if they hate him. I, I think that probably likelihood is this was more of an immature guy and maybe you can um, change that perception of yourself in Washington with another young team. I still don't think it's all him. I think that I punch, agree, yeah. I think that punch did something uh, for him uh, and that, that can set your whole psyche back, uh, you know, and I really think that, that, you know, that it's not just put all the blame on Jordan Poole because I think a lot of blame is being put on Jordan Poole. Is it some of it fair? Absolutely. But not all of it. 
And I think uh, he can get a fresh start here in Washington. Like you said, he may or may not play out the rest of his term on his contract. He might be traded, uh, you know, if he really becomes, like you said, a somewhat efficient 20-point-a-game score, maybe get seven assists on top of that, be able to help this team maybe play a little bit better than expected. He could really, you know, open some eyes, and maybe that will get him on into the right path again for both your team and whatever team he would go on to next. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of the nice thing about where they are. You, you're not tied to anybody. It's so early in the rebuild that you're not really stuck by the time you're actually ready to be good again. It's so late in Poole's deal that odds are you're going to be able to get somebody else to take a flyer on him with two years left on the deal or something like that. So it's just to have options and flexibility is not something we've had a lot of in Washington for the last decade and a half. So uh, either way, uh, I'm all good with the pool pickup. Kurt says, what Wizards player is like to, likely to hit pool? Why is it Tristan Vucevic washing his hands? <laughs> Kurt. If you're flailing around enough, you never know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, this is how fast he was doing it, too. And I'm just like, dude, my gosh, man. He's got some big on? mitts on him, too. They probably filled up the whole sink. So uh, They did, yeah. yeah. And he's just like, I just felt the spring. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break. And it's Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. Please go ahead and check out his great work with Heidi White, former NBA player. Those guys go and talk about everything going on with everything Wizards right there for you at the Believe in Wizards podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Plus, also, Bullets Forever. He goes ahead and does many great articles for that. It's part of the ESB Nation. So go ahead and check out what they're doing today at Bullets Forever. I do want to ask my friend, uh, is there anybody that we're missing? Anybody that you feel that we need to know about? Because, we, yes, we are a Lakers-centric podcast, the best there is. But we also keep everyone apprised of what's going on in the NBA. Magic Man and I primarily are the guys that keep an eye on everything going on with the NBA as much best we can. So tell, is there anybody else we need to keep an eye on that you might think might surprise people this coming season? There's going to be lots of opportunity in Washington. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the last time we did this, we had the same kind of, you know, topic come up at some point. And I said, realistically, everyone on our roster should be somebody you keep, a, keep an eye on because at some point they're either all on the Lakers or Wizards roster. I, I don't know. We'll see what the new front office does. If any of our guys are eventually – uh, headed your way, but Johnny Davis is probably worth spending a minute on uh, top 10 pick last year looked bad for most of the year when he did play uh, struggled even in the G league, a good amount of the year uh, kind of come out since that he was struggling with some hip stuff. And if you're kind of a not super athletic guard in the first place, and then you've got some limiting injuries, it's uh, it's, it's really going to make life tough on you as a rookie coming in too. So Hopefully he looks better in year two. He looked a lot more confident in summer league, still super inefficient jump shot. Got really weird last year where like his feet were wider than his shoulders, but his knees were touching in the middle. Not stuff you want to see. Looked a little bit better in summer league, but. Uh, it's almost like a skeleton dance. Like you do like the, yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's honestly exactly what it looked like. It, it just, it was looking one of those things where it was going to be hard for him to stand up while shooting the ball and. Uh, you never want to see that. So looked a little better form-wise. Didn't go in yet, uh, but at least a step in the right direction. So he'll be interesting. He's going to guard the hell out of people, and the Wizards could always use a couple more guys to do that. So we'll see if they get anything out of uh, this you know, guy who was the 10th pick last year. 
Great thoughts right there from Matt Moderno. But before you head on out, my friend, Magic Man, any questions before I hit him up with his thoughts on the Lakers this coming season? Because we always want those outside perspectives. Helps us out. But go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Magic Man. Any thoughts? So, like, it's a real mix, right, Matt, of uh, vets and uh, guys who are either still green around the gills or uh, getting their feet wet. So, do you expect uh, the front office to be uh, active with their their um, their vets, especially on the trade market, given the fact that, you know, Matt, there are still uh, a lot of contending teams out there who are, you know, like the Lakers, like looking for a backup center, or there's a team looking for somebody with uh, potential to be, you know, 3 and D, or, you know, somebody like Monte Morris who can – fill in that backup point guard role in a playoff run. So do you expect the the front office to be fairly busy throughout the year? Yeah, definitely. Like they, they flipped Morris right away to Detroit just for honestly kind of anything that they could. They got a second round pick out of it. I believe at the end of the day, I would expect something similar for DeLon Wright. I think that's a guy that should be of semi interest to the Lakers. You could probably mm-hmm. cheaply have him and, he was unreal defensively last year. Like you can't throw the ball anywhere near him. Uh, reasonable playmaking. The shooting is sort of hit or miss. And I think that's really the problem. Uh, but another elite defender that could be a better version of, uh, you know, what Patrick Beverly was supposed to be the last couple of years. Like that's worthwhile. Um, can Danilo Gallinari get healthy enough? And if he gets bought out, is he worth considering? Excuse me. Uh, could Mike Mascala make another run at being a Laker? You know, there's a couple of uh, veteran guys here that are probably going to end up either bought out or available for a second round pick or two second round picks at best, that sort of thing. Um, so, so we'll oh, see. I can't, I can't handle another Mike Pascala. We already gave up uh, someone who I value dearly and gave him up uh, to probably tear one of the magic's worst trades. Well, actually he had a, didn't have a good trade. So, you know, it just, oh, don't, don't want to do that again. But uh, Mike Pascala just, he didn't even stick with Boston this time mm-hmm. around. So that's, yeah, that's kind of here nor there. I think he's at the end of his, I think he's going to be part of Oklahoma city's uh, coaching roster at some point in time, like yeah. Nick Collison. I think he's going to get the Nick Collison love pretty soon from OKC. Honestly, Denny Avdia might be a name worth keeping an eye on for you guys, similar to the way Rui Hachimura made that trade deadline deal over to, uh, to LA. Is he somebody that are, might Are you surprised that, that he actually developed like he did? For, uh, mind you, it's still only three months of, of you know actual work from him, that you know consistency, because one of the things I've always talked about in getting him, I think his last two games with you guys, 30 points one game, zero the next, which is basically a microchasm of his entire career there. Are you surprised at the way he developed as far as especially when it counted the most? I think consistency was always the issue with him as you hit on. And just the expectations are lower on a team like LA. You don't need him to be that guy. It's just situationally. He's a dude that can come in and win you a playoff game. Like he could come in and go nine for 12, you know, on mid-range jumpers alone and and get you over the hump in a big situation where you need a couple extra baskets. So it's, uh, he, he's a good pickup. I mean, I think he's a better defender than he probably got to show. It's just, there's tunnel vision and things like that. So he's probably best utilized as like a second unit, just here's the ball, go get buckets kind of guy. But 
can watching film with LeBron and things like that help him from a basketball IQ standpoint? All that sort of stuff is, uh, it remains to be seen with him. The feel isn't particularly good. Whereas like somebody like Denny has pretty good feel. He just doesn't actually have the skills. I think Rui's actually pretty skilled. Um, the, the jump shot really came around by the end of his Washington tenure. Going into that last time the Wizards were in the playoffs in 2021, I guess, against Philly, you know, Rui was probably their second best player in that playoff run. And it's just, can can he do this enough? I don't know with you guys if he'll get enough opportunity to do that, but um, just at least to be able to have the talent to do it consistently would be, or the mentality to do it consistently would be, would be an interesting development for him. I think with when it comes to Rui, he, like you said, he is best suited as a sixth man coming off the bench, playing against second units primarily. I think that's probably the best thing. And maybe if he really is playing well, you can have him close out games with the you know as far as part of the final five. Mm-hmm. And then unique things he did. He did well initially against Jokic, playing defense on him that game where they they almost came back from that insurmountable seemingly insurmountable lead to almost take the game game one in the the western conference finals so and, he, and obviously we t- we talked at length about his shooting you know a 30 32 percent three-point shooter suddenly miraculously becoming a 48 percent three-point shooter during the course of the playoffs i don't expect that but if i can get somewhere in the middle 35 to 37 i think i would be very happy but like you said uh, i think he's best coming off the bench whether or not the new contract will not force the Lakers to start him, we'll see what happens because sometimes organizations say, oh, well, we paid him. We gave him the bag. We better bet. We better start him now. I'm hoping that they'll, they'll go ahead and lean away from that because again, I think he's a better match. Like you said, coming off the bench, but we'll wait and see. But last thing I want to ask you before on the Washington wizards, before we get to your thoughts, on the Lakers Southern comfort asks, how does Matt feel emotionally about the future of his franchise? I'm just kind of too exhausted from being a Wizards fan my entire life to think too far into the future. Uh, It's just, it can't really be worse than the last couple years were. Like the vibe was pretty bad. Everybody was sort of just low on, on where they could really go. So I think Beal's a very good player, obviously just, it had run its course and the fan base was pretty down on him. So it just got exhausting to think about the same thing, talk about the same narratives all the time. It's just, uh, you know, whatever they do from here, I think we'll have more hope and optimism. And that's really all you want as a fan of a bad team is at least there's some hope for the future. So I think that's sort of where I'm at. And uh, this front office is, you know, sort of a front office dream team. It's it's all guys that were probably going to get uh, head jobs at some point. And it's just, uh, you know, having them all in one place is, is a pretty cool opportunity. So I'm going to give them, you know, the benefit of the doubt here and just rely on that track record and enjoy the ride for the next two years and try to have low expectations. Were you glad Bradley Beal left? Yeah, honestly, it was just, uh, it was time, right? I mean, it wasn't gonna, they weren't going to do anything here. And as long as he was here and wanted to be here, it's just, uh, you know, you were capped on what you could do. And there's all kinds of like, you know, little annoying things Beal did along the way, like, oh, guys need to go out and play defense or guys couldn't guard a parked car. Just little subtle shots at other people from a guy who didn't really actually guard anyone particularly well himself. Uh, He had his wife and his agent show up to media day and he did the whole gotcha about the vaccine, like tricked everybody into being surprised that he didn't want to get vaccinated and just annoying stuff you don't want from the 
face of your franchise, you know, uh, so it's just, it was time. Good luck to him. I think you were capped as far as you could go with a player like Beal. It seemed like 35 wins was kind of the magic number with him as the face of the franchise. And it's just nice to be, uh, to be over that. Also here today, uh, before we had uh, ask Matt about his thoughts on Lakers, good man indeed. He is Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. It is Joe Soro. And Joe, meet Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast and also as well, Bullets Forever. You've been in the chat for a few minutes, my friend, but any thoughts for Matt on the Washington Wizards before we talk Lakers? I do. I do. Uh, the culture of the Wizards in Washington, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it's not – I, I kind of I'm hard on let's say the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves franchise as well as let's say New Orleans um, Pelicans Charlotte Hornets a lot of it is you know I know you have to have teams there to kind of spread it out but the Washington Wizards slash Bullets slash Baltimore whatever there there's a history there and I'm curious since they are like you said on the show, uh, how they haven't reached a conference final since 1979. How is, is it, is it like a Detroit lions atmosphere in Washington where they just go into every season and go, we, we, are we ever going to get out of this? And so uh, probably my, one of my first jobs post-college was working for the local ESPN radio affiliate that was the home channel for the then Redskins, uh, now Commanders. And the running bit every year going into the season was no matter how bad they, the roster actually looked or how bad their uh, front office moves were over the offseason, everybody would call in and say, this year we're going 11-5. and five. Like they were just so blindly, unrealistically optimistic about that franchise. And then every year you listen to people talk about the Wizards and it's like, oh, we're going to suck because we always kind of suck. Uh, it's just, it had gotten especially bad. I think the last couple of years, just, you know, the last wall teams kept everybody kind of energized for a little bit. And um, it had been so bad after the arenas thing ended with all the gun stuff and taking on the terrible Richard Lewis contract back. And uh, you finally had the, you know, you bought him now, you got wall, he, he got good and then he got paid and kind of got fat and lazy, honestly, and toward the Achilles and all this stuff. So it, it was sort of roller coastery. And then the last couple of years had just been all down, no matter what you thought of the roster, it was just hard to get more excited about a team that seemed content with fighting for the eight seed. And you had a GM that was here for 16 years and Ernie Grunfeld, that wasn't very good. They were below 500 over those 16 years. So the first thing you do after this massive GM search is to promote Tommy Shepard, Shepard, his deputy, who's been in the organization for 23 years. It's just nothing they did inspired a lot of confidence that this was going to be the thing to really turn it around. So I, I think this clean break, you've cleared house. It's just uh, everybody seems like overwhelmingly optimistic. You always had the few fans that were like the rah-rah guys, no matter what, like, yeah, Mike Muscala, let's do this. But um now it's like okay if we're going to be bad and that's cool we'll get another top five pick and then we'll be ready to go here in a couple of years so I, I think um not quite detroit lions but we were bordering on that territory if we'd have done another uh it's probably miami dolphins i feel like it's the equivalent right like we're just going to be eight and eight every year and never get out of that so that's probably like the closest nfl equivalent i think 
Yeah, the John Wall thing is what kind of was the burner is they finally got a first overall pick and they had a chance to get someone that could have been transcendent. Problem is he had the work ethic of Tracy McGrady. And that's something that unfortunately happens a lot when when guys get their contracts and things like that. But I, I always just kind of wonder because you know, Washington DC is a different it's a different atmosphere. There's a lot of pride in that area. There's a lot of history there in terms of the Redskins. Hopefully uh, they bring that name back, by the way, although I know that's not going to happen, but there's been some votes on it. But uh, And then you have the Capitals, obviously, who've, who've probably have the most famous player of their the, of this century anyways in Ovechkin. Uh I don't know, the, just, Nats, the Nats won a championship. The Mystics won a championship. They win every NBA 2K championship. All the stuff that doesn't matter locally, we're really good at winning. So it's uh, it'd be nice. It, to- it, that's that's the weird part. It is. It is a because they do function kind of like a mid. I don't know. I I I've never really understood why that why that area just doesn't want to produce good basketball. And I've never really gotten a negative or a positive in terms of the feeling of the, the wizards over there. I, it, it's just, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was interesting when, when Gerald told me you were going to come on. I'm sorry. I was uh, a little tardy here. I was just finishing up some stuff, but I, w- I wanted to ask you that, that question to kind of get a feel of what that atmosphere is here there in Washington and, do they does the does the community really care because when you when you're around when you're around a city that has professional football basketball uh, uh, baseball teams it, there there's always this well you know I go to the you know, I go to San Diego right I'm in I'm in the Temecula area San Diego's unfortunately lost all their sports teams except the Padres but you go you go to a team like the Padre games Mm-hmm. And you, you're, I'm looking out at the balcony. I'm like, man, this place is freaking packed, and this is supposed to be an area that's a transient area that doesn't really have a lot of history. The Padres have went to the World Series a couple times, but nothing else after that. And how does a city like Washington, uh, one of the biggest cities in, in the world, you know, how do they kind of support a team that just cannot seem to really bring put anything on on on, on the court that that. That, that has any merit. I think people here that, that care about basketball are the longer like term basketball people care more about the high school teams and some of the college teams, to be honest, like high school basketball in DC is probably the, the best in the country. Like I'd, I'd put us up against anybody. Um, and that's the thing. That's the amazing part is, is you guys have talent coming out. Washington, Virginia, Washington area produces so many, amazing players kind of like philly and new york and all those mm-hmm. places but for some reason it doesn't translate to the to the pros and i wonder i'm just wondering if if like what's the deal what's with ownership like why, why aren't they creating a culture over there where winning is, is is important i think a lot of it is it's a lot of people it's a transient city you don't have a lot of roots here for for everybody like people that like the redskins slash commanders are like from you know middle of Virginia and places like that where they stick around longer term, the actual DC people are there's a lot of international component things like that where they don't care about an NBA team and there hasn't been like a big enough star player here to really for people to latch on to and when you're just not good like this is a front running pro sports town other than 
the NFL team. So like before the Caps got good, nobody went to those games. Before the Nats got good, nobody went to those games. And if you win, they'll come. And, and unfortunately, they haven't won in a while. The last big playoff series was 2017 against the Celtics. I went to most of those games and they were insane. I mean, it was on par with the Lakers playoff game in terms of environment. It's just the minute you're not good again, there's no sort of built in benefit of the doubt. Whereas like if the Lakers are down for a couple of years, the environment is still really good. It's, you know, at I almost said Staples, Staples Center at crypto.com arena or whatever the heck we're calling it now. But um, I, I went to both Wizards games uh, at crypto last year, the Clippers and Lakers game back to back. And Clippers game was like on par with what a Wizards game is like environment wise. And then going to the Lakers game two nights later, it was like, holy shit, like this is what a middle of season regular season game can look like. It it was a little eye-opening for me. Well, uh, great thoughts right there from Matt Mordano. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing at the Believe in Wizards podcast. I, I feel bad we didn't even talk about Corey Kispert. I mean, has the organization and as a fan base, have you guys given up on him? Or do you think he still has something left to prove? Uh, the final 35 games of the year, he's one of the three best three-point shooters in the NBA in terms of volume okay. and percentage. So uh, I think he's probably only ever going to be like a specialist. I think maybe a fringe starter kind of guy, the defense is meh. He puts him the floor decently. Okay. To attack close out. But um, I, I think he can really shoot it and uh, doesn't maybe make as much sense for a rebuilding team, but maybe he has some value for a team like LA that could use another shooter or something like that. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have our people call your people around the deadline. And, there you go. It's going to be the Washington Wizards West, West as opposed yeah. to the Lakers yeah. East. There you go, Dean. Exactly. But before we head on out, and I guess the one last question, Kurt, uh, what do you see from Kurt Affairs asking how you see the East shaking out this year? So I guess I'll throw that in before because we really want to hear your thoughts on the, the Lakers for last on that. Uh, the East is going to be interesting. I, I still, as long as Giannis exists, I'll put a lot of stock in what the Bucks do. If they can stay a little more healthy this year, I think that'll be interesting at the very least. Uh, Boston actually really liked the moves they made. Uh, Porzingis is, he was really good last year and they don't need him to be anything other than taller, sort of, you know, maybe slightly, uh, younger Al Horford for them. Like the role will be really simple. Uh, we'll see what Philly does. The Harden thing is probably pretty big and interesting for them. Those are probably the team, two teams I'd least like to play in a playoff series. If I were somebody like the Lakers coming out of the West or something like that. So and I think, I think the East probably goes through them. I know the Miami fans are probably like angry at that, but uh, I just don't think there's enough there, there at this point, unless they can pull off like the Dame move or something like that in the next couple of weeks. Once again, Matt Moderno from Bullets Forever and the Believe in Wizards podcast. Magic Man, you get first dibs uh, as far as any Lakers-related questions to go ahead because it's going to rest of the show cover what Matt's thoughts are on the Lakers. Magic? Yes, yeah. So, uh, Matt, um, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Austin Reeves? Um he is a very polarizing player outside of the Lakers. You either really like his game or you think he's overhyped. I think uh, he suffers from a little bit of um, uh, geographical bias, I'll say. 
And because games come on at uh, 10 o'clock at night, a lot of people don't really watch what Austin Reeves does. So uh, what are your thoughts on the player known as Austin Reeves? I do a lot of our draft coverage over at Bolts Forever and wrote for places like Draft Express and things like that back in the day. And uh, always kind of interested in, in the pre-draft and, and like the diamonds in the rough kind of guy. And mm-hmm. uh, I wrote a long like 2000 word piece on why the Wizards should try to get Austin Reeves with like one of the last couple picks in the draft. And I got trashed for, well, you only want him because he's a white guy kind of stuff. And it's like, he can't really hoop. And uh, I don't know, he's turned out to be pretty good. I, I think you're much more willing to give, uh, you know, people the benefit of the doubt with some of their flaws or holes in their game when they're an undrafted guy making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, as opposed to, all right, now, I, actually, I, the deal they got him on is a steal, in my opinion. Uh, even if he just never gets better than what he was last year, that's a really team-friendly contract. If he'd been making twice that, that'll always be the question. I think it's sort of similar to how Kuzma was for the Wizards. Like, you're willing to overlook some of the inefficiency and stuff like that when he makes $13 million a year. When it's 25, it's a little harder to overlook some of that kind of stuff. So, you know, we'll see. But, Joe? yeah, I, I like Reeves overall. Oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, that, we've got the same opinion as far as what, how he's developed, where he has to go from here, what he can do to even get his game even to a better level. But, you know, the future is very bright and we got him on a, a very good contract. So that's always uh, something that to look forward to. It's when you have to have someone on, on a contract that still has a lot of room to grow on a contract that looks even better as the years goes by, that's, that's going to be good. Uh, Joe, any Lakers questions for Matt? I just I have a comment. I, I think I find it hilarious that someone had to mention skin color for Austin Reeves in your assessment. I think it's hilarious that uh, that still goes on. Yep. Yeah, it's not the fact that he's just good at basketball and was an absolute bucket and nobody could guard him for multiple college seasons. He, yeah, a lot of that Kendrick, factors in. Right? A lot of Kendrick Perkins is out there. They they seem to get triggered by that stuff. It seems. Honestly, I think the Team USA stuff is going to be huge for Reeves. I feel like everybody always comes back from those things at least a little bit better, and you learn some little tools and tricks and stuff. So if I were you guys, I'd be excited. that You know when I knew Austin was going to be good? I knew Austin was going to be good the way Russell Westbrook pumped him up. Yeah. It was really early on. He had nothing but compliments. I mean, it was next-level compliments. I never Mm -hmm. heard Russell Westbrook talk that nicely about anyone. And I go, wow. I go, something's gonna something's gonna happen here with Reeves. Yeah. Yeah, we can tell here in Washington, like who are the who were the good young guys gonna be based on the way Westbrook talked about him. And he never said anything bad about any of the young guys. He just didn't talk about them. So you could tell who he liked and who he didn't just based on who he was even willing to like comment on. So that's a that's a great point. So I ask you, my friend, when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, you see where they're at, see what they're being talked about, see what their aspirations and hopes are, you see who they got in um, during the offseason, looking into what they are going to hopefully be doing during the course of the season. Obviously, they have a different trajectory or at least planned trajectory than what the Washington Wizards are going to be doing this season. 
your thoughts on what the Lakers may do. Give us the honest assessment. We're not going to rip on you for, we, you know, I've always told you even before when you were here last time, whatever you feel, honestly, you think the Lakers will do, we'll obviously respect as someone, you know, it's like I said, always love that outside perspective. Yeah. I promise this isn't the Homer answer. I'm actually really high on this Lakers team. I, I, I don't really like Palinka that much from what I've seen, but I really liked last year's deadline moves and, I think they kind of welcome to the club. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it, it kind of, they just said like, here's what worked at the end of last year for us. Like, let's do those things more. I think you guys need one more big, if it were me, I, I don't know. I, I, like I wanted Jackson Hayes to be good. I've just never seen him actually do that. Uh, so relying on him would terrify me, uh, but maybe they don't need to rely on him. If you can, keep Anthony Davis healthy and stuff like that. I think health is probably the biggest thing. If you lose either guy for an extended amount of time or both two main guys for, uh, you know, reasonable chunks of the season, I think that's, that makes life really tough in the West, but I just wouldn't want to play the Lakers in any kind of playoff seed. You know, can they beat like the other three best teams in a row? Like, it's a little bit of a tough ask getting an easy first round would be nice seating wise. Just let them ease into it. Rest LeBron a little bit, rest AD a bit. But to me, it's like them, Denver, I actually think Phoenix is going to be better than most people seemingly think Phoenix will be. So yeah, I, to me, they're, to their, they're like a real contender, I think. Uh, so I'm, I wish I were you guys. How about that? There you go. Uh, we appreciate the fair assessment on that. Magic Matt, Joe, any uh, additional thoughts uh, you know, or additional questions for, for Matt on the Lakers or the Wizards or the East going forward? Matt, just out of curiosity, you know, looking through the crystal ball, there's always a disgruntled NBA star around the corner. <laughs> there's death taxes and the disgruntled NBA star. Do you think that in two years, if uh, the right guy is available, winger pulls the trigger? It seems to fit their MO to go after somebody if they've kind of accumulated enough assets to do it. I don't know if it'll be like a one of those marquee guys or like the next kind of on the way up guy that maybe they could pry away in a restricted free agency or something like that. that that's probably been like a little closer to their track record, but... I just don't think they'll be afraid to make moves, period. And and that's also refreshing for us. So uh, it's a great question. I don't know if I was thinking like a Carl Towns is probably the next guy that mm-hmm. wants out, but $65 million a year for, for a slightly better Thomas Bryant. No, I'm just getting a much better Thomas Bryant. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, it's kind of a tough ask. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Joel Embiid may, may be very, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. upset too in, in sure. the not too distant future as well so we'll see absolutely uh joe any thoughts man any, any last words before we go ahead and let matt have the floor and talk about all the things that he's up to so we can give everybody i, the I do i have one more it involves the east when will they ever be relevant again <laughs> they're like kind of uh, ish i, I mean you, yeah i've been hard on the east i thought this year was the year sure. they were That's very right. top heavy I thought, man, this is going to be the year where Milwaukee, Philly, or Boston would dominate, and they looked like doo-doo when it mattered. And I am pretty much done with the East. And this has been a – I mean, since Michael Jordan's shot in Utah, the East has been just abysmal. I mean, at what point is this going to stop? This is now 
I, I had mentioned this in, in a few shows back. This has become worse than the AFC between 1984 and 1998, where every Super Bowl was an NFC blowout for a while there. And now it's just this, like, what's the point? <laughs> maybe, maybe the maybe Silver might need to reseed this thing if, if if this doesn't change in the next three four years. What is the deal with the East, and why sure do they why. still stink? Just bad management, I, th- I think. Honestly, it's just. Uh, is it the weather in the East? Is it like what is it? Is it the time zone? It's the depth of the the, the conference for some reason is just not there, and there's a couple just bad owners that are okay with mediocrity, ours included. And they're always waiting for like, like Hey, let's save that, uh, you know, cap space for four more years from now and do nothing in the interim. And I don't know, whatever the hell's gone on in Charlotte, uh, that that's terrible. That should be something where the league steps in and forces. I mean, obviously they're changing owners right now, but like, that's, that's embarrassing. It, it says a lot about the fact that Miami can take G leaguers and get to a conference finals, you know, two out of three years. Like it's just, it's not great. I mean, Atlanta's okay. Like people like that are just kind of okay teams, but I think uh, Orlando's probably on the way up. I think they're a move or two away from being kind of relevant. And I don't know if the, if the team that won the NBA championship was from the East this year, I wouldn't be shocked. It's just, there's realistically only like two or three teams that could do it and be relevant. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's quite, I guess they're going for quality over quantity. I, I, I don't have a good answer for you. Yeah, it, it just seems like the teams that have won in the East since 1999 have – there's been some dominant runs. Uh, I Weirdly, that oh four. I thought the Bucks should have been a more dominant run, but that's uh, some of that's been their own doing. Giannis got hurt last year. Middleton's knees exploded. Honestly, I think some of this is bad luck. Like if you'd have had a healthy Grant Hill – uh, and T Mac, and they'd have gotten Tim Duncan when they were supposed to get Tim Duncan, like like things like that. Nobody's beating that team for probably the next two three years. There, um, it's it just even like the Wizards in their two best runs. You had multiple years where you had a reasonable, you know, top four playoff team with with Arenas, Butler, and Jameson, and they went into the playoffs three years in a row where two of the three guys were hurt by the time they got to the playoffs. It, it's just there's always been that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, the Western conference guys have seemed to like be a little luckier with their top guys. And I don't know why that is the dominance part. You've never seen other than maybe, maybe you can look at the 2012 Miami heat and all the teams since 1999, where it was this dominant team that was favorite that had the star that went through, but even the heat with, a prime, prime LeBron, there was always this, will they, you know? It, I it mean, just... Celtics were pretty good there for those couple of years, too. Like, I, I mean, I think there was just more parity between the two conferences at that point. Like, when the West has had dominant teams, it's because the East kind of had nobody. And I feel like when the East has had really good teams, there was still a parallel in the West. So it never really looked like, here's this juggernaut. Uh, it's just sort of how it, it seems from our perspective, at least. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, 
opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it is Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast, also as well, Bullets Forever. Please go ahead and check them out today, Bullets Forever, part of the SB Nation, and of course, Believe in Wizards with former NBA player Shahidi White. So, Matt, I've set it up for you, my friend. Whatever it is you want to go ahead and talk about, whatever it is you want to plug, it is cheap plug time. Go ahead and let us know what you're up to with all the great stuff that you're doing. And be careful. Don't talk too much about losing or else you might get suspended. I heard that, you know, that that corner of the universe, if you talk about losing a little bit in the past, they kind of like suspend you for now and then. Uh, I, I worked for that same organization for a while, but just suspended that person for just that reason. And that's not too surprising, given some of the other stories you heard over the years. So um, that, that's, that's a, a shame. Real travesty. But uh, yeah, Believe in Wizards, the Believe Podcast Network, the sort of um, business model is to put an NBA player with a um, credentialed media person. And uh, you've got Raymond Felton does the Mavericks podcast. You've got Rick Barry does the Warriors podcast. I used to do it with Larry Hughes when he uh, was still uh, doing some podcasting. But uh, right now I do it with Jahidi White, uh, who played for the Wizards back in the early 2000s with Jordan and, and people like that. And great dude. Uh, if you're just interested in hearing a player's perspective on stuff going in in the NBA, it's it's not just all wizard stuff. So I think even some of the, uh, the Lakers folks listening to this would, would maybe get something out of it. And we're happy to take questions and any of that stuff. So, uh, you know, even you guys, if there's something you want to bounce off a, a guy, like what it would felt like to be dunked on by Shaq or something like that. Um, actually don't tell I said that, but uh, you know, happy to, to throw anything his way. So guys, thanks for having me. This was just a lot of fun. Nice to talk about something other than the wizards for a while. And I'm very <laughs> jealous. Uh, I'm enjoying winning time. So I'm getting a lot of Lakers content in right now. So thanks for having me. It's just nice to talk about something other than Christian Wood, because, <laughs> you know, with all these Laker podcasts, it comes up every I, week, right? It comes up every podcast. Some of the, yeah. especially the daily podcasts like ours, mm -hmm. which produces content on a daily basis. I was looking at some of them. There were some of them that were in the double digits already on episodes dedica dedicated to Christian Wood. I'm like, can't do that. So that's why I started the NBA team preview thing again. And I, I cannot say enough how glad we are to have you here, Matt. Our, our crowd, our best, our cha Lakers chat room just absolutely loved you. You know, out here tonight, Matt, appreciate everything that you brought for the show. Magic Man, Joe, anything else before we get on that? I think the situation in Baltimore explains why shows like this wouldn't work in and around the Trevor Lane Laker Nation crew. Because as soon as they're – I'm not saying – maybe the maybe the buses and, and, and management might have a little bit thicker skin. They're not going to be like James Dolan and the Angelo family. But, uh, but this is the risk that you take. We would last five minutes. Yeah, and and that's it's a sad it's sad commentary because I used to remember Chick Hearn criticize the Lakers on air mm -hmm. and would say things like "good luck" and things like that. And you These never guys thought, are terrible. You never thought. You never thought. But see, the thing is, Chick also said, "I've never seen a team this dominant during the 2001 run." Yeah, so there's, there's two feels. ways. It's two ways. If you play well. We're yeah. going to compliment the hell out of you. 
if you if you stink and and you stink in a way where you shouldn't stink, you should be able to open that line as well. But we uh, and, and and usually there's only one side that's getting blamed for the getting rid of things. It's not. It's everyone. It's, it's the sensitivity meter in society has gotten so out of whack, and so many people have gotten to the point where they just cannot and will not deal with criticism because they feel like they don't need to. Can and... I throw two anecdotes at you when you're done, Joe? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no, not at all, Matt. I, I, that's all I had to say. Go ahead, Matt. When I worked for the ESPN affiliate in the area, they were owned by then Redskins owner, or now about to be departed, Redskins owner Dan Snyder, and uh, at the time, former uh, – Redskins player uh, Brian Mitchell went on the air and just said, this is it. I've had enough. Um, it was actually on the John Thompson podcast, former Georgetown head coach, uh, junior, not the third. And just said like, this, this is over. Like I, I can't keep my mouth shut anymore. Ownership should be embarrassed. They cut to a commercial break. Studio host took him in the locker. You took him in the bullpen. You see the door shut. You just hear yelling and screaming. And Mitchell comes out with a cardboard box and is sweeping all of his stuff off of his desk. They fired him mid-show for just criticizing ownership. And then for the Wizards this year, our actual like play-by-play guy got on after a broadcast and said, any Wizards fans that want them to lose the final five games of the season are losers and don't know what it takes to win. You should never root for your team to lose get basketball games. You don't know what it's like to be a competitor and it's just like nobody wants propaganda like any smart uh well-run team would know that you know you're not going to win anything why wouldn't you just get young guys in there the last couple games of the year so i think the way you guys provide smart balanced content and, and try to be as objective as you can your fans so at the end of the day sometimes gonna run a little hot or cold but i think that's something that people relate to more than just like you know, fake homerism all the time. So I appreciate there is there is that thought after shows. I know I I feel it. I don't know if Gerald or Sean feel it, but there's sometimes I'll get off the show and uh, I'm not particularly good at listening to the show after. I hate look, looking at myself and hearing myself in general. Sometimes we I hate go, looking at you too, but it's okay. Thank you. Uh, was I opened myself up on that one? Yes, um, you did. You the, said it to me. The the, the the, the issue, okay, so you, you, you finish the show and you're like, I don't know if that was a good one or we we look like jackasses, uh, or at least I felt I did. And then once you kind of relax, you start going, wait a minute, I got that was a legitimate answer to a board question. And it just wasn't something, it might have gone overboard, but there's something there. And bringing up somebody like Dan Snyder, let's say that's a, that's a really good example of ineptness because everyone thinks money can solve your problem, right? Who had more money than Dan Snyder, right? It was Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones for the longest time. And that's another slap that I bring up in an example in terms of how bad the management can be, even with all that money and all that, freaking value right the dallas cowboys are the most valued franchise on the planet yet talking about you know i should have used the wizards example to the cowboys they haven't been to an a championship game since 1996 and you're this dallas ah we're the cowboys yeah you're the cowboys 
You're the cow dung boys is what you are. Why? Because you're stubborn. Because you want to do it your way. Fine. You want to do it your way. But this is sports. You know, if you're running some tomato paste company and you want to make sure you're staying in the black, cool. But this is about winning. And where's that money? And where's that pride going to be when you're six feet under? Is anyone going to give two craps about Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder's feelings or the way they do business? You know what would be nice to leave behind? Vince Lombardi's. Those don't go away. If you guys have noticed, or I'm sure you've noticed, Matt, I know I do all the time because I love looking at it, but you've seen the Larry O'Brien's outside that office. It's El Segundo. That's what Dr. Buss left us. Kobe Bryant left us. Even those who are still alive, like Shaquille O'Neal, Robert Ori, and all those guys, that should be taught. And it's not. And then you... You get, but you you come back in this mindset of, you get suckered in by the by society. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been so harsh. Maybe I shouldn't have been so negative. But when something matters, and I mean matter, not in the sense of like life in general, like sports is entertainment. Yeah. It doesn't really matter, matter, but matter in the sense of what we're talking about. Yeah, it does relevance. matter. Say yeah. say that Dan Snyder is ruining a, a franchise, ruining a league. And you're, you're getting it now in Baltimore. You got it in New York. And then these guys are getting shunned down and shut down. For what? You stink. Baltimore's playing better this year, obviously, but it's been how long? I mean, I'm an Orioles fan, so I unfortunately, yeah. once again, too long. <laughs> it's, it's Congratulations, just, I, though, on your success this year. Absolutely. I will take it. Yeah, I, I still haven't dipped my toes all the way back into that water yet for exactly what Joe's talking about. It's just, but for all so, those years, you've yeah. they were it's still one of the best places yeah. to watch baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that, uh, that scene of the Jays beating the Orioles in the uh, in the I think it was the uh, wild card elimination game and seeing. Buck Showalter's face, like that yeah. that ball that that bullpen, that bullpen was really good. Like I'm surprised the Jays actually won that game. It, it's it all comes down to ownership. I think that's why the Wizards were allowed to be so inept. When I was um, covering the Orioles, uh, I was in the locker room after a game, and their manager at the time, a pitcher, got hit uh, by uh, by got hit by a hit. Um, he threw like an 88 mile an hour fastball, and somebody rocked him in the chest with it. And, you know, the media asked how the player was doing and the manager at the time was like, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. You know, it's just like you have owners, you're going to have managers that don't care mm-hmm. about the players. People don't want to come to play for you. It all trickles down. People cover the team differently. So it's just, um, you know, be grateful that you have a family that owns the team that you guys are, are talking about that at least at the end of the day, they give a about whether you agree with everything they do or why the Rambus family is still as influential as they are I, I don't really get that one from afar but neither um, do we at least the buses seem to care so I, I would take that and and they're gonna at least try to make moves in that direction all the time well we hold them accountable not yeah. based off of the operation of the Lakers it wasn't really that where we were disappointed it was actually mm-hmm. things that were going on that we were surprised they were doing things like removing Jerry West from his season tickets and not only doing that yeah, calling his wife or texting his wife at like night thinking, oh, she'll be asleep. She'll just 
wake up in the morning and the PPP loan still gets that one is the burner that one because I was hammering people like crazy on that one I was like you're getting a PPP loan Kim Kim Kardashian Tom Brady these guys are uh Reese Witherspoon were getting PPP loans yeah that's that's really you know my cousin my cousin needed a PPP loan he was running a restaurant okay his restaurant does nothing without people and atmosphere and all the stuff that we had to stop because of what was going on. And I'm like, really, guys? Really? You don't have – Tom Brady's worth a half a bill. Reese Willis will have 100 – like, what? The, like, And that was the stuff – that was the stuff. And, and maybe now that things have settled, they did return it, and maybe they sat back and said, ooh, that was a mistake. And that's fine. I guess, you know, sometimes – we, we dip our, you know what, in, in certain things we, we probably shouldn't. And they're like, ooh, people are watching. I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> I'm with well, you. well, I'll tell you what, though. Great conversation. I what do you think, Condor? Do you think I own cats? Do I look like a place that has cats <laughs> or dogs? <laughs> You're missing I have out. snakes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't have any pets. I don't have Magic any pets. Man? I don't have Anything? time. I'm never home. <laughs> Anything for us, Magic Man, before we head on out? Matt, it was uh, wonderful to talk to you, man. And uh, yeah, I could... think I'll take you up on that offer. Hey, let's do it. All right. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Great to have you here, Matt. Uh, once again, this is Matt Moderno from the Believe in Wizards podcast. Go ahead and check him out. And along with former NBA player Heidi White, they do a great job covering the Washington Wizards like no one else, the Believe in Wizards podcast. Plus, also check out his great articles today, of course, at Bullets Forever, a part of the SB Nation right there for you. Matt, great to have you here. Tomorrow we have, hopefully, coming in, another great guest that Magic Man got in from Wes Morton from Peachtree Hoops talking the Atlanta Hawks. We'll see what's going on. Trey Young. Trey Matt, Young. we'd love to have you uh, on the show before each game this year. Every game, each game in terms of against uh, the Lakers. Oh, I, I, thought all, I thought you meant all. I thought you meant all. Hey, you're Lakers more than games, welcome so. to be on the show every every time. But I figured maybe some yeah. free free shows when we're when we're, when the Lakers are in Washington and when they're in LA. I think that would be a good show. Absolutely. I mean, the schedule is coming out in a week or so, so we're going to find out pretty quickly. Yeah, that'd be very exciting. Oh, awesome Fellas, indeed. Appreciate you. Have a good rest of your Thanks, evening. Thanks, Matt. All right, you two. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Truly appreciate everyone out there in the chat room and everybody being part of what we do. We'll see you tomorrow talking Atlanta Hawks right here at the Lakers. Basketball.